This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Wednesday the 10th of November. In your Squiz today, tennis legend Dylan Olcott announces his retirement. An update on COVID vaccines for kids. Healthy sleep habits. And pet picks for trees. This is your Squiz today. Tennis player Dylan Alcott announced his retirement yesterday, Claire. Big news for tennis fans with the world number one quad tennis player saying that the 2022 Australian Open will be his last tournament. He's a big personality, Claire, and he's got the winning stats to match. Three US Open titles, two Wimbledon, three French Open titles, seven Australian Opens. He also got a Golden Slam this year, each one of the majors plus gold at the Paralympics. We thought we'd take a look at his career and how he got here. I didn't know that Dylan Alcott won gold with the Rollers, our wheelchair basketball team at the 2008 Beijing Paralympic Games. Uh, That's where he really came came to notoriety in Australia when he was just 17 years old. He also won a silver medal in London with the team in 2012. Uh, incredible that he's just 30 years old now, and that's mm. because, of course, he's been around for a very long time. <laughs> uh, Alcott is a paraplegic. He was born with a tumour wrapped around his spinal cord. It was successfully cut out when he was just three weeks old, but it left him a paraplegic. And after a childhood in hospitals and endless operations and then his teenage years, he says, of self-loathing because of his disability. He says that sports saved him. Uh, He went from basketball to tennis after an accident, uh, saw him very badly cut his hand and the rest, they say, is history. Yeah, went on to become the best quad tennis player in history. He's also got a few other things under his belt. He's a radio presenter, TV personality. He's got a charitable foundation. He's got a music festival called Ability. He says he feels like he's done everything he needs to do on the tennis court, but sounds like there's plenty more to come from him in the advocacy space. But before that, Claire, one last shot at an Australian Open title. Yeah, might that be exciting to see him at the Australian Open in January. Also getting excited as Ash Barty. She's talked this week about how good it's going to be to play in front of Aussie fans when we get to Melbourne uh, at the start of next year. Uh, getting revved up as well is Roger Federer, uh, Rafael Nadal and Dominic Team on the men's side of the draw. They're really getting excited for Australia. Uh, and then Novak Djokovic, still a question mark about whether he is going to be able to make the trip because of his vaccination status. Yeah, some big names there, but it will be interesting to see how it plays out. You know I'm a big tennis fan, so bring on January. Over to WA for this story, Claire. It was back in April this year that a seven-year-old girl called Ashwarya Aswath died from sepsis while waiting for treatment at the Perth Children's Hospital. An inquiry was launched into the circumstances surrounding Ashwarya's death, and those findings have just been released. There's been quite a lot in this case since that tragic death on the 3rd of April this year. Uh, The hospital launched an internal review, but the family were very unhappy about that, even launching a hunger strike. Uh, They then went into an external review and those results were released yesterday. Uh, What the Western Australian Health Minister, Roger Cook, said is that the hospital was understaffed in that emergency department and that those on duty were exhausted and that 
there was a cascade of missed opportunities, uh, is the quote, to provide care. But there was no specific reason uh, for Ashwarya's death. And her parents, uh, since that report was released yesterday morning, have said that they're very unhappy with that result. Uh, The review has made 30 recommendations. And what the government says is that they'll be accepted and acted on immediately. A coronial inquest into the death will take place next year. No green light just yet for COVID vaccines for kids aged between 5 and 11 here in Australia. ATAGI, who advised the government on immunisations, have announced that they'll wait and see what the safety data from the US says before they give the go-ahead. Yeah, and this is all very new in the United States even. It was just last week that the US granted emergency use uh, authorisation for the Pfizer jab to be used for that age group. And they've become the first in the world to use that. Pfizer vaccine uh, to jab very small arms. Uh, The trial data has shown that the vaccine is safe, but what Australia wants to do is to look at the data as it rolls out in real time. Uh, That's because we have low cases in kids uh, and also very high rates of adult vaccination coverage these days. So they want to wait and see. If it does get the go-ahead, no firm date on timing, but potentially late December to early January. Overseas now in Ghislaine Maxwell, the British socialite accused of grooming young girls who were then sexually abused by billionaire Jeffrey Epstein, is preparing to face court this month. In a letter released yesterday, her lawyers have revealed the defence strategies that they plan to use. There's been a long build-up to this case. She has been in detention for quite some time, waiting for that case to come to court. What her legal team has said is that it's going to question the accuser's memories and that they'll bring in experts in that field to testify in her defence. There's one particular notable psychologist, Elizabeth Loftus. She has testified for the likes of Harvey Weinstein and OJ Simpson. Uh, So it seems that it is going to get pretty rough in court. The trial is due to start on the 29th of November and it's expected to last up to six weeks. We can expect to hear a lot more on this one. Moving on to health news, Claire. Now, we know that getting enough sleep is important for overall health, but a new study from the UK shows that going to bed at the right time can have impacts on heart health specifically. Larissa, I reckon we do a pretty good job of not talking about sleep a whole lot. You're a new mother (laughs) as well as a podcast host. My family (laughs) might disagree. (laughs) (laughs) So, look, we could be forgiven for just doing a podcast on sleep every day, I reckon. (laughs) But look, we're in the groove and we love doing it. But yeah, sleep is a real thing. So it was interesting to us, I'm sure it will be to others, that uh, people going to sleep at around 10pm and certainly before 11pm, they're associated with a lower risk of developing heart disease. People who fell asleep earlier or later had a higher risk. Uh, There's no sort of causation with all of that. What they're Mm. just saying is that uh, it could have something to do with resetting the body's internal clock so that it decreases inflammation and deals with your sugar levels and all those sorts of good things that are associated with good sleep patterns. Nothing good happens after 10pm anyway, Claire. Oh, let's go 9pm maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Early to bed for sure when you're putting out a (laughs) 6am podcast and newsletter. 
If you've posted a pic of your pet to Instagram recently as part of a pledge for a tree to be planted for every picture, well, it's gotten a little out of hand for the company that say they started it, Claire. Larissa, your day job for us is dealing with all things digital and social as our expert, so I'm going to let you explain this one. I'm absolutely baffled. Are you putting me on the spot? I usually relax while you're talking. (laughs) No, there's a new feature from Instagram that lets you add a picture to a picture chain. An organisation called Plant a Tree Company claimed responsibility for starting a campaign where you added a picture of your pet and they said they'd plant a tree of each one posted. They're only a little company and nearly five million people posted a pic. (laughs) That is a lot of tree planting if they're going to fulfill that promise. Exactly. They've kind of realised that they can't. They're trying to now crowdfund to raise $1.3 million (laughs) to plant all those trees. But uh, long story short, if you want to see a tree planted, you might need to get the spade out yourself. Squiz the day, Claire, what are you keeping an eye on today? So former Prime Minister Paul Keating is going to address the National Press Club today. He's talking about Australia's strategic framework. I reckon he's got a lot of praise for (laughs) Scott Morrison and how he's dealt with France and the submarines. That's my hot tip. He's always got a pretty spicy turn of phrase, so uh, (laughs) one to keep an eye on. It's also National Ride to Work Day, so a big shout out to those who ride their bikes to work. And it's also Sesame Street Day, that iconic children's show first premiered 52 years ago. 52 years is a lot of Big Bird who stayed forever, what, six years old? Six years old, yep. Squiz Kids told me yesterday, which is my segue to encourage any school teachers out there to still jump on that free trial of Squiz Kids for schools that is running till the end of term four. It's levelled literacy activities aligned to each day's podcast. Really cool stuff. Head to squizkids.com.au to check that one out. And that's all from us today. Have a good Wednesday and we'll be back with you tomorrow. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP.